0: Hey everybody, this is episode 5 of Artist Soapbox. This episode is brought to you by the Soapboxers, official patrons of Artist Soapbox. I love it. Yeah. All right, let's t- let's hear that back. Hello and welcome to Artist Soapbox, a podcast featuring artists from the Triangle region of North Carolina talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am Tamara Kassane. In this episode, I'm speaking with Jamika Holloway-Burrell. Jamika is a director, event curator, kick-ass, former stage manager, and the founder of Black Ops Theatre Company, a Durham-based theatre group dedicated to challenging preconceived notions, conscious and otherwise, on what black theatre should look like. Earlier this year, Jamika held a prestigious fair assistantship with the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, where she assistant-directed The Merry Wives of Windsor. Jameka and Black Ops Theatre Company will be launching the Bull City Black Theatre Festival, a brand new theatre festival in March 2018 at Man Bites Dog Theatre in Durham. Today, we'll be talking about directing in the theatre, Jameka's vision and plans for Black Ops Theatre Company, and much more. Hi, Jameka. Hi, Tam. I'm so glad that you're here to talk with me today. (laughs) I'm Um, super
1: excited as well.
0: Okay, so... We have a lot to talk about about what you're doing right now, but I wanted to go back in time a little bit. You have a lot of experience stage managing in this area. In fact, you and I met, I don't know, four or five years ago when you stage managed a show for Little Green Pig. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious about your transition from stage manager to director. Could you talk about that a little bit?
1: So my transition from, I have to be really transparent and super honest about it. It is my transition from a uh, stage manager to director has been one of the most freeing <laughs> things ever. Um, I actually didn't realize like how just over stage managing I was until I was out of it, and then someone would ask me, "Will you stage manage this show?" and I'm like, "Hell." <laughs> You know, just like so upset about it, um uh, <laughs> so I didn't realize you know how uh, just how ready I was to kind of phase out of it. I found myself in the space lots of times, like thinking thinking as a director, and that's kind of like a unhealthy place for a stage manager to be because that's not where you're in the room for um so so, yeah, it was just time for me to it was time for me to go
0: what, if anything. Did you bring along with you? Because stage managers are amazing. I think they are one of the most crucial positions. Absolutely. In the success of a production. And, I mean, a good stage manager is gold. They do everything. It's a really hard job. Yeah. Did you bring any of the those tools or perspectives as you became a director? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think, you know, a stage being a stage manager really tooled me for being a director specifically when it comes to like relating to people and communicating with folks. Like you kind of have to have that down Mm -hmm. as a stage manager. So I actually, I go into a space and I'm talking to to actors and I'm talking to designers and I kind of, it's it's something that I'm really proud of that, um, I know how to make a space feel like home for mm-hmm. everybody um, as a director. And so it's not like this hierarchical thing when I step into the space or anything, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, collaborators. And I learned that as a stage manager, because I mean, you're talking to producers, you're talking to directors, stage managers, and so you have to be this liaison and communication is key in that job. So I I take a lot of that away from me. Um, and then also just like, even just remembering that down to the person who cleans the toilets their job is valuable. Um, and stage management taught me that because lots of times, like oftentimes when you work with like small theater companies or in undergrad, like you're doing that work, you're cleaning the toilets. Mm-hmm. Um, So yes. Yeah, so yeah, I will always value my time as a stage manager. And then also like, like I said, I started to kind of like feel like it, like started thinking like a director mm-hmm. um, when I was stage managing because I had worked with so many. So I come away from each experience with a little bit of something. So I'm like a melting pot of like all of these different directors hmm. that I've had a chance to work with they um and they all show up in my work as a director in many many ways Mm -hmm. so i'm again i'm grateful for stage managing for that and um and i noticed like the last couple of shows that i was a stage manager that i wasn't invested in the ways that i was like as an undergraduate stage manager when i first moved to new york Mm -hmm. um like my interest had declined significantly mm-hmm. in that work. Um, I wanted to have a voice in the space. I'm like, oh, like that's a bad idea. And I want to be able to say that, but that's not my job as a stage manager. I need to be making sure that this actor is on the way. I haven't heard from them. So, um, so anyways, yes, that's my experience. With yeah, stage
0: I management. mean, I think it's so interesting. You and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. The signal. That your brain or maybe your heart (laughs) is sending you that it's time to transition is the loss of that investment Mm -hmm. in what you're doing. And it doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, I'm never doing that again or I'm doing something completely different, but something needs to change. And I think that that is – I don't know about you, but – I'm reluctant to always accept that message yeah. because sometimes it's easier to just go with what you've been used to doing or what you people tell you you're good at Absolutely. or whatever. And then we have all these weird mindset things that get in the <laughs> way of us, you know. But I think it's such a valuable like you're you're telling yourself something. Yes, with that. So and it, and what you're not telling yourself is that you're like a slacker. Or you don't work hard anymore. And I mean, that's the way I always interpreted that message. Yes. Um, So I've gotten older, so I can (laughs) interpret it in different ways.
1: (laughs) No, that's so real, Tam. Um, I felt it for a long time, about three years. So I guess I was a stage manager for about 10 years. Uh, Jerry Lynn shoki gave me my first professional job with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Shout out to Jerry Lynn. Yeah, Jerry Lynn. <laughs> yeah. Uh she gave me my first professional job as a stage manager and I believe that that was oh 2010 because I was as a matter of fact the money that I got from that job I took it to move to New York. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so so almost so I guess 8 years now as like a prof professional stage manager i will just say like last year i just phased out of Mm -hmm. uh, stage management because i did do the nether
0: Mm. i feel like in this community we're so busy and we come together to see each other's work but Mm -hmm. we don't get to talk very much about our lives yeah and how we got where we are and where we want to go so i really value these conversations and one of the things i haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about was your um oregon shakespeare festival directing assistantship which you did earlier this year yes and i'm super curious about how that is in not only how it went but how it's influencing your work here like what mm-hmm. did you bring back with you from across the country yeah
1: so so much love for osf i just have so much love for that organization and the people that i met you know some through the fair program which i um Went in under just the relationships that I, that were formed through that organization. Um, I, obviously, I'm speaking on it. It's just like so invaluable the people that I met and have connected with. But anyways, like my my time at OSF was filled with so much duality. I'd say on one hand, like I'm um, surround. It's like an arts wonderland when you go into OSF. I mean, uh, just every day all day surrounded by art people making art uh people being you know administrating art or whatever it is like you can find it at osf um i you know was sitting in at the table drinking tea with some of like directors that i admire like robert o'hara um and mary zimmerman and just trying to like take i know so just so bizarre um these are people that i just kind of have grandized over the years as an artist And, um, so that was happening on one hand. And then on the other hand, like I have my daughter and my family that I miss so much. Mm -hmm. And so, so with that, some days were just so incredibly hard for me to even function. Um, I I can, I get emotional now, like thinking about like the time without Allie. Mm -hmm. And just actually like the, the biggest part of that was just, um, always trying to be in her head, which is the biggest mistake. Um, Mm -hmm. And deciding how much she was missing me, mm-hmm. so um, it it was tough my time at at OSF. Um, but I, you know, just, that time was just so pre- precious, and I learned so much. But I say I a lot of what I'm bringing back. OSF really charged me. It really charged me. That community that that theater company is sustained by that community, mm-hmm. and it's sustained by that community because so much of their programming invests back into that community. So um, it's it's a community sustained theater company. So OSF really charged me to start thinking about sustainability as an artist. Um, I'm always thinking it, as artists, like we always think like the art first, like what's the next show we're gonna be putting up? What's the next project? And oftentimes like the thoughts of like infrastructure and sustainability kind of mm-hmm. fall by the wayside. And uh, so OSF really sent me on a journey in search of models who have been able to stay to sustain um in small um dense areas like the ashland area um and survive Mm -hmm. so yeah osf just kind of charged me on a different level as an and as as an artist and as an administrator as well
0: now do you mean that they um did a lot of community outreach? Is that a, a big piece that you're interested in? Yeah,
1: you? absolutely. Well, I think the thing that interests me most is that it's because of the connection that the community and this organization have mm-hmm. have is the reason why this organization is like this multi million dollar budgeted organization. And it's because it's not the relationship that they have um, with the with the with the New York Times and all across the country. It's it's about what's happening in that community at Ashland in Ashland.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the community's into it. If- yeah, they're, they're devoted to it. They're
1: devoted to it. I mean, there's like a Tudor Guild bookshop when you walk down. You can get like Shakespeare tea down the corner. There's a like Shakespeare inspired no, uh, novelty shops all all around, and there's mm-hmm. like Boar's Head Bar. You know, so like the community has really like invested in this work.
0: I can see, their work. I can see why you call that an arts wonderland. Yeah, Thanks. and
1: and also like I mean, so they're like. So it's repertory theater. So obviously there are always shows and rep, but there are four theater spaces and shows are either in rehearsal, rehearsing or in re- open in rehearsal or opening. <laughs> so it's always something going on. And then in that process, like there's a lot of like literary work that's going on. Um, uh, there's a program play on play on which takes classic Shakespeare work and they translate it for like current days. So there's a lot of like artistic work going mm-hmm. on even outside of like rehearsal spaces. And and, and it's just so aspiring mm-hmm. in that space. Um and then they're like all of these meeting, you know, what they call, I think it's called um the Boer's head. and it's the the meeting where all of like leadership, the artistic leadership comes in to to decide what the season is going to be. And those conversations are just always so robust and intricate and, it's just really like, especially like you're, if you're into like the conversational parts, this aspects of theater. And I really am. Like, I, I always love like community forums because I just kind of love to, to get inside of people's brains. And I kind of feel like when you're OSF, like you just live inside of like this artist, this huge mm-hmm. artist compound brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that it doesn't have its share of flaws like any other organization. But um, I mean, it's, it's it's like 86 years. Mm-hmm. So they're not like they're having the same bumps in the roads that we are at like 11 and 12 12 years. So um, anyway, yeah, just value that experience so much at OSF.
0: That sounds wonderful. And a great model of, Seeing it could be done like yeah you know? like this could actually happen it, could it's actually working happen yeah. absolutely and just really
1: like i said like back to the community really investing in them it's because there's always even if people are not seeing a show spending their money osf is giving back to the community in different ways like through free concerts and like through school visits and they're doing things at like the the local hospitals and things like that um like actors who are not getting paid for this like they sincerely invest in the people who invest in them. Hmm.
0: I hope it's okay to to go to this place, but you mentioned being away from your daughter and your family for that, because it's three months. Three months. Yeah. So I also have small children and I remember reading about your acceptance and then thinking, oh wow, how is she going to do this? Like Logistically, how is she going to do this? I was trying to decide if you're going to take your daughter with you or you're going to take, like, a family member with you. And then I heard that you didn't choose to do that, that she stayed behind, which I'm just going to say I was a little jealous. <laughs> no, <laughs> because I, I was like, oh, my gosh. She gets to have so much time with her own self, by herself. But, but anyway – I feel how excited. did you how did you do this was so, it awesome
1: it 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 was it was awesome but it was awesome because of the village that I have and um so I grew up even though I'm not I don't go to church anymore I grew up in the church so I have a lot of like fam and just and close friends who who um which is one of the things that I do you know I appreciate about church that's a side note but just the community that it builds mm-hmm. so I've got like family like People who I call like aunt and uncle coming up, like who would step up and really, um, who, hey, should I, can I get Allie this Saturday and things like that? But like most importantly, her dad is just amazing. And um, he had Allie most nights. And then, well, two nights out of the week, she stayed with my mom and uh, Joe Rose, who you had mm-hmm. here a few days ago yeah our
0: last episode <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah
1: her mom mama rose kept al who's a retired teacher um she kept Allie during the days so i was really supported by just um an amazing village of folks who just help who really just believe in in me and um and that's how i was able to to navigate that and also just really checking into so my mom had lots of goals and dreams still growing up and when she had um my oldest sister, she gave that up. she gave that up and she and her life was dedicated to us like making sure we had everything we had. she didn't miss a concert, she didn't miss a basketball game, she didn't miss a cheerleading match or whatever it was. She just devoted her life to her her kids and I am who I am. I'm able to do these things because she did that, but I don't see myself like that as a mom. Um, I think I feel like the, one of the best things that I can do for Allie is to show her that, like one of my favorite um, August Wilson quotes in the Piano Lesson: "Life has all types of twists and turns. That don't mean you stop living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even even as a mom, you can still go after and chase your dreams." I'd rather Allie see that than see me uh, defer to like, to the easy road. Mm-hmm. You know, so that so that was one of the things that that drove me just thinking about how beneficial this would be for Allie in the future.
0: I respect that so much. You, in many ways, but in that moment, you were such an inspiration to me because I know in the past I've held myself back from doing things that I really want to do. And I just admire so much. I mean, I think we need to to be models for our kids in other ways other than just being self-sacrificing martyrs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they needed to see that it's okay to um, be away from each other. Sometimes that we'll come back together. We still love each other, even though there's distance sometimes, that sometimes I do need to work mm-hmm. and you have to occupy yourself and that they have other people in their family, yes. in their community who love them and can help raise them up. And I think that is just such a wonderful example. And it, it seems like it really gave you support from a distance, knowing that people were like, you do this. We believe in you. Absolutely. We got you. You yeah. know, it's just, I think having that support can make all the difference in the world.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly supported. I'm just so lucky
0: in that way. People wouldn't do that for you if they didn't feel like you deserved it. You know, I want to stick with Oregon. Oh, yeah. For a little bit longer, if, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um, and while you were in Oregon, you posted something on Facebook. That stopped me in my tracks, and I'm wondering if you would be willing to read it to us, since you wrote it.
1: Oh wow, yeah, I remember that. Um, so the Facebook post is: When you're an artist and a show you've been working on for three months open up tonight at the, opens up tonight at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, but you black too and first, and they killing us, then walking free like it's nothing. So you want to be stoked. Dot dot dot. But Philando Castillo.
0: Thank you. In case there are listeners who don't remember about that, I wanted to just give a little bit of background. On July 6, 2016, Philando Castile was shot seven times and killed by a police officer in a suburb of St. Paul, Minnesota. Castile was in a car with his girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, and her four-year-old daughter. The police officer was charged with three felonies, one count of second-degree manslaughter, and two counts of dangerous discharge of a firearm. He was acquitted of all charges on June sixteenth, 2017, which is the same day that you posted that uh, message on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit earlier about the duality of being at OSF. Um, How did you navigate that time given the events that were happening? Mm -hmm. Hmm. It also brings up this big question about how we bring our whole selves into our workspaces when they are creative workspaces and that seems really tricky mhm
1: mhm and you you know just also it's even being in a place like OSF is just such a privilege and the space is it's in a predominantly white space it's actually full of privilege so, um, everybody doesn't check in to the news the way other people do. Uh, because lots of times like they're not affected by it in ways, like, you know, seeing bodies like that look like yours slaughtered in the streets. Um, so actually I kind of feel like that that was actually where that post came from. Just, I remember walking into one of the rehearsal spaces, and it's a creative space, like you were saying, it's a creative space, so people should be able to kind of like drop their baggage at the door, but I remember walking in um, and hearing all of this laughter, and just being like so frustrated that people can still, there's certain people who who still get to carry on, Mm -hmm. like nothing has happened, Mm -hmm. and this had just rocked not only my world but so many worlds of the people that look like me so Mm -hmm. that was just like and and that's also i remember even doing um the ass or the angel and that was and i feel like that was when baltimore was uprising doing Mm -hmm. freddie gray Mm -hmm. and coming into that space and everybody was so playful and just kind of sitting there on the side like really being affected by this thing that just happened but having to take in that it just doesn't affect everybody the same way it affects me. So, and a, and a lot of that goes, goes on and we don't give our, this is something that Monet always says, my good friend Monet, she always says that um, we as artists don't give ourselves room to respond. Like we're always thinking about the next show and we got this production and I get it because lots of actors like this is their livelihoods. You know, they they, they eat off of the work that they have, but I wonder if there's some way as, Um, artistic directors or people who like run spaces to give ourselves room to respond to to things that go on because it's therapy for some of us like some of us like the theater is our healing spaces and uh so when we have to continue to enter and you know whatever who knows it could just be um kiss me kate or something like that that's been that's on the stage it's it's hard for people of color to just kind of Sometimes we need to take a breath. Mm -hmm. We just need to say, like, and and also, like, feel visible. Like, this happened to you. Like, I can take a break from my lizard brain and kind of come back and and come to this and kind of to check in with y'all. You know, even as allies. So...
0: Yeah, I think that, from my perspective, that white people are really bad (laughs) at this. I'm serious. I think this is really a problem, actually. And I think it's a long tradition of us setting up spaces where we're supposed to leave everything at the door, no matter what it is, but maybe we don't have to do that, right? I mean, maybe there are other ways that we can have conversation or we can open conversation so that everyone in the room can show up as they fully are because it's hurtful to not allow that to happen, whether it's, whether it's not allowing that to happen um, obviously, and mm-hmm. consciously, like saying, we're not talking about this, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. whether it's this sort of blithe disregard that you were talking about earlier. It's like, you know, everybody's like, la, 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 this doesn't, this doesn't bother me. I don't have to care about this. Yeah. And there's something really insensitive about that. And even though it's not consciously malicious, it is present. And I think it's, a, it's really important to change the way that we show up for each other in Absolutely. these spaces. Because how long does it take to have these conversations, number one, And number two, who cares if it takes a while?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What are we doing here?
1: Yeah, that's actually something I've also kind of been checking into, process over the play. You know, like really checking into the process that gets us here. Even when you think about like ritual work um, and Native folks and Africans, like it was all, everything was like ritualistic, you know, like for the crop to come up, for the rain to come, like there was a dance going on and that, you know, and that was the thing that mattered like yes this is going to come but like the work that goes into it is kind of like first things first that matters mm-hmm. um so anyways just like the process is also we maybe even building more room into our processes to mm-hmm. to kind of to just have those rehearsals where we just check in with one another like how like even as a mom like sometimes like motherhood can be so, crazy and you come into a space and you're just like exhausted or frustrated or feeling guilty whatever it is and you don't really have anybody who like leans in to check on you as a mom unless it's another mom right so like building room into all of our our process processes to kind of check on each other yeah I think it's critical for for self-care of artists everywhere yeah
0: it's about the process and it's about the people right I mean Mm -hmm, we all want to turn out good products that's important To sell tickets, blah, blah, blah. That's really important. Everybody wants to make a great and amazing and transformative thing. But we got the people in the room, and we've got the the process that we're going through, and to have some space, as you suggested, built in to be able to form those relationships Mm -hmm. and form the trust, and when we need each other, to have the time to rely on one another and check in. And I do think the responsibility for the checking in is not yours, right? So- it is not your responsibility to come in and say, "Hey, guys, I'm feeling really sad about this current event that happened." It's not your responsibility. Right. It's the other people in the mm-hmm. room to, to say, like, "How are you?" And then you decide whether or not you want to yeah. engage in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think the the burden is often on the people who who carry the who weight. carry yeah. the weight, yeah. Yeah. right? And and that is. Well, they didn't talk about it
1: because I didn't feel like I could. Like there the space that you know wasn't welcoming for that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it also just brought me back to what you said. Like we work together so often, we don't get a chance to get to know each other. So I felt like it, you know, like this is like a uh, aha moment. If we did have more built-in days, it just really check in with one another Mm -hmm. we know more about each other so even like you know thinking about the the ways that we view relationship building and collaboration like we always want to keep it on such like a professional level um but then that we need to be able to operate on a level that we can we see signs like if somebody's not showing up how they did yesterday Mm -hmm. you know that let's check in on them or you know
0: so i like it we need to talk about Black Ops Theater. Oh, yeah, my little baby. I know. <laughs> Let's do it. What was it like to found a theater company? Oh, my and goodness. And why did you decide to do it in Durham? Yeah. <laughs> tell me about the formation of What Black is, Ops is it like
1: to found a theater company? Somebody tell me, please. <laughs> Black Ops is near and dear to my heart. Um, I... I like the way we show up. Um, it's real, just unapologetic. So I remember, like when we did the Typographers' Dream, somebody asked me if I was going to put a um, a director's note in the program to kind of explain my choices and my reasonings for the play. And I know lots of people do that, but I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And that's not a Black Ops <laughs> thing. Like we come, you take what you take. We're not trying to force anything on anybody. You take what you take and you leave what you what you leave. And so I really like the way we show up unapologetic. But anyway, so unapologetically. And you'll see more of that in March at the Bull City Black Theater Fest. <laughs> but anyway, so founding Black Ops. Founding Black Ops. I, you know, I actually, that's another thing. Like, I just really need to kind of reflect on what it means to be a founder. I know that the work is hard. I know that <laughs> work doesn't... Doesn't end as a founder. As a matter of fact, I was like up at 2 a.m. last night like sending emails about Black Ops. But anyways, I'm trying to focus this in on the conception of Black Ops. The conception of Black Ops was literally the shipment. <laughs> I moved back to North Carolina from New Jersey and New York in 2013. And I've been gone for three years. I left um, 111. is tattooed on my shoulder mm. <laughs> the day I, I landed in New York City um, and I was out seeing theater and I saw there were just hardly any black stories and bodies on the stages um, and or if I saw them it was telling a white story or um, tokenized in a piece and I just wanted to challenge that or, you know, or there there will be black theater going on. And it was just like, oh, the typical things that come out of like the black theater canon. And that was also very frustrati- frustrating to me um, as I feel like black artists have a wealth of skills that we can kind of tackle any and everything. Um, so, yeah, I started Black Ops because I just wanted to challenge the lack of representation on the stages and what people... Thought when they came, when they did see black bodies on the stage. And um, I was pushed into, not pushed into it, but encouraged to, to, to move forward with it by friends. And um, we did the shipment. I remember we did the first rehearsal and all of the actors who were sitting in the room, which was Ron McGill, Drina Dunlap, Dunlap Johanna Burwell, Lazarus Simmons and Jackie Markham. And I said to all of them, like, y'all are black ops. <laughs> and that's how kind of how like the the group formed and um and lots of changes have been made since then i'm trying to act as a matter of fact i'm in the process of like restructuring black ops um all all the conversations that i was having in like the last few years was just about, oh, what's the next piece you're doing? Like, what's the next project? I'm just like, oh, but I'm not really thinking about survival. Um, yeah, like, even with the Black Theater Fest, I'm just looking in the bank and I'm just like, mm, this is just not going to cut it. Like, you, you need something more than this. And so my focus now is really about like building a, a team of folks who are going to champion my vision for Black Ops um, and also be able to, to, to whatever they have a a unique skill set that also advances what we are, what I, what I'm able to offer. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think foundational about sustainability. So like my, my goal is not right now. I'm not thinking about what my next show is. I'm really thinking about, okay, how are we going to be here five, five years from now? Mm-hmm. Does that mean like small pro like what type of theater does that mean? Because I, you know, we always thinking about it in the pr- traditional sense. And so that's another thing I'm trying to combat and champion like person. I mean, combat personally. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that theater has to look a certain way for it to be finished and presentational, presentable. So Black Ops is like really in like the baby stage. It's like trying to figure things out, like falling, getting back up, falling again, getting back up. And then also, and like celebrating that
0: this time. For an outside observer like me, I can say it looks like things are really on a roll for you and for the theater company. Since you formed in 2015, you directed two really well-received shows that garnered great press, including the controversy of a critic walking out of your production, your first production of The Shipment in the fall of 2016, which was really exciting, I thought, and sparked yeah. some amazing conversations. And you, you've you curated several Black Ops community events. So from the outside perspective, it looks amazing what you're doing. But I want to know, what do you think? Like, what what are you celebrating and what are you learning from your perspective.
1: Yeah. People tell me all the time, oh, you should be so proud of what Black Ops has done. And I am, I'm so proud. I'm so grateful for the support that um, we have received. But I am definitely my biggest critic. So I... Flaw, and I'm, even now, like even two years after the shipment, I'm like, "Ooh, if I had the opportunity to go back and direct that show, mm-hmm. I would do this and I would do that." Oh, type of stream, Like if I had the chance like to, like, do you know, like I just so I'm always thinking about the what I should have done, and so sometimes I kind of miss out on really kind of celebrating what it is and the friends that I've made um, through this the journey with Black Ops. It's still, still right now. I still see it. It's just like a. It's like I keep saying, it's like a little. It's in a baby stage, and I'm not trying to rush that. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to like take it really slow, um, and be mindful that I'm not man bites dog, and I'm not little green pig who's been alive for what 13 years now, uh, two a year two two years now. As a matter of fact, like the Facebook book memories were popping up with pick like, two years ago, and I was really excited about those. Yeah, just kind of like really taking in where where we are as a company, and I'm really thinking infrastructure first infrastructure first like the performances have been great but like the recoup Mm. it's you know it's just never what you put into them even with the even with the the theater events that I curate I usually take more money out of my pocket that I end up getting back because I'm all about like accessibility and so that means like donations welcome like you know what I mean without like stating a price so um so now I'm just thinking about ways that I can be, firstly, like artists, like I kind of am an artist in my sleep. Like obviously there are things that I'm always learning and my work is always evolving, but I, I do that. Like I'm an administrator because I needed to be when I started a theater company. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have like the, I don't, I don't have undergrad for that to, to to go to. So I'm, a lot of things I'm just kind of learning on my own, like donor relations. I'm like kicking myself. I'm like, Oh my God, you did not send that person a thank you ladder after they sent that. am so like just trying to learn how to be a better administrator and, and executive director. So I'm not just like a director of the artistic process, but actually somebody who manages an organization right now, while I don't have the support to do that work for me, that's definitely some. It's definitely something that just kind of weighs on me that I that I didn't come out of the gate starting a theater company with that experience, and I'm having to get it on the job, and so mm-hmm. I'm behind in lots of areas.
0: It's hard. It's a different thing to direct a show and be the executive director of a company. Mm-hmm. They're really different, and when you're trying to do them both at the same time, that's that's doubly difficult, yeah. triply difficult, and when you're doing it essentially by yourself. It's just I mean,
1: yeah, so you're like you're in the rehearsal space and actors are like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if we got this thing? And as a like you're in the room as a director and you want to be so encouraging, but the producer in you is like, we can't afford that. Mm-hmm. So, so like that is just like such a challenge in a space like you go in trying to be creative, but you know the limitations. So it's just such a you know, people really don't leadership. it's just an entirely different atmosphere Mm -hmm. because you just have to show up differently. You have to show up even when you don't want to show up.
0: Mm -hmm. So, and we don't really learn that. No, (laughs) no, no. So you kind of do have to make it up as you go along, unless you have some incredible mentors and a team around you constantly and a lot of money and all those things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a different kettle of fish, so to speak. Totally. You have a really big event though coming up. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm super excited about this. (laughs) In
0: March 2018 at Man Bites Dog Theater. I got the description from the Man Bites Dog website and I'm going to read it. Black Ops launches a new theater festival bringing together Playwrights, directors, choreographers, dramaturgs, and actors from some of the Triangle's premier black theater groups. The festival will present workshop stagings of new short plays at Man Bites Dog over two weekends, as well as hosting forums, classes, artist mixers, and more at various locations in Durham. Just so everyone knows, tickets go on sale Monday, February 12th. So buy those tickets. Yes. Tell me about the Bull City Black Theater Festival. Okay,
1: so Bull City Black Theater Festival is also something that kind of was inspired during my time at OSF. It just really dawned on me the idea of influence and this idea that people actually, like, you have the ability to actually, like, mobilize movements, like, as a skill um or and organized and um I was thinking about the National Black Theater Festival that happens in Western Salem every two years and it's been around for years at this point, but the but it seems like they put a lot of time and effort into getting like big named theater folks and we don't have anything that champions local artists in this area. And so um you do have this uh, this skill to galvanize, like you mm-hmm. should put something together, and then something that kept popping up in like everything. Like I'm, I'm all, I'm always look, looking for signs. I'm like, so I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it had been like eight years since I would watched, yeah, eight years. The first because Lord of the Rings came out in oh one, so okay. <laughs>
0: You know this. this? I don't know this. Anyway,
1: like this idea of alliance and allegiance and the strength that we carry in numbers kept popping up. I had this interview with Woody King, and Woody King is um, artistic and managing director of the New Federal Theater. It's one of the legacy theaters that kind of paved the way during the Black theater movement of the 1960s in New York City and um, launched the careers of of folks like um, Denzel Washington. I feel like makes with... um, uh, which was Ron, one of Ron Milner's plays. It's one of Denzel's early works. Um, and it was with, with New Federal. But um, anyways, he was talking to me. And so I, I asked him about sustainability and um, because it's a struggle in theaters, no secret. Um, they struggle to stay mm-hmm. uh, you know, above water every single year. And so I was talking to him about sustainability and um, what type of ideas he could give me about ways that I could manifest a sustainable organization and he said to me what other black theater companies do you have in the area and I was like oh there are two companies that ran by two of my friends so there's Majoa which is ran by Monet Marshall and uh, black poetry theater by Dasana Hanna and um, he said y'all need to work together and that's how you survive that's how y'all survive and that's how nobody gets left behind And so it was really like checkmate because I was just like really up in my feelings about Lord of the Rings and and just like how Frodo would have not reached Mordor if it had not been for his team of people. (laughs) You know, holding him down. It was just like vital to his making it town (laughs) seriously.
0: This is, I am so
1: happy right now. (laughs) So, uh, and then hearing this from Woody King, I was like, we, I definitely have to, to try to curate something that brings us all together. And so that was the impetus for Bull City Black Theater Festival. So the goal and what's in the works right now is each one of those theater companies, Black Ops, Majoa, Black Poetry Theater, will be part, because we just want to make sure that we're able to link, we're able to link as many theater practitioners in as we possibly can, um. So black, each black theater company links up with a playwright and a director. And we do, we're going to do text shops of the text. So, you know, so it's not about like acting values mm-hmm. or the performance. This is about like playwrights actually being able to, to develop their work in this process. And so that'll, so that's what we'll do for, for, and then we'll do stage readings of them on the weekends and which is what we'll invite the public, to, the public to see. Um, and draw, have some dramaturgs in on the to work too, if it's necessary, because there are folks out here who actually do that work. And there's a lot of work who needs, that need dramaturgy. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that we forget about um, and look over at something that we don't need. But it's a really critical part of the artistic process lots of times. Um, so and then each one of those shows, so it'll be three stage readings. We'll have at least four actors in it. So there, there we got actors in a room, playwrights, dramaturgs, and producing theater companies. And on the weekend, we'll have um, we're gonna have scene work workshops taught by some of your favorite black. Actors in the Triangle, direction, directing workshops, um, art, theater and activism, poetry and theater. Also going to do some things for the youth and uh, theater makers over 50. So we want to be intergenerational mm-hmm. and inclusive. And so the T the is town, which is like the FYI. I wrote to the city, they, the Department of Economic Workforce, and they're, they're the group that funds festivals. And so I wrote to them for funding and that was denied. Uh-huh. So that came for me like in the last two weeks. And so that's kind of something I've been wrestling with, like, no. And, uh, but one of the, uh, back to people showing up for me, like as soon as the word got out in my group that the black theater fest, I mean that the city had said, no, everybody was like, okay, so what I got to do, this is the person who I know. I know this person who will donate to some wine and we are, you know, mm-hmm. so it was just like, everybody was like, let me show up. We, and so it it just, again, dawned on me how important this is, not just to me, but to the community. And so just like, you know, so that no, now I look at it like, oh, that was just such a good thing because I might not have known that my people were going to show up for me like this. Mm -hmm. And so I know that, and that gives me confidence. Um, So, yeah.
0: And you were talking before about how important it is for the community to be invested themselves in the theater company. And this may may allow people to step up their investment yeah. by helping.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, because in North Carolina, in the Triangle Town, I mean, and you can say if you disagree with me, I'd love to hear it. Um, I, we don't have, we don't, this city doesn't come with a built-in theater audience. Mm-mm. It's not New York City. Mm-mm. So, you know, I feel like we have to go out of our way as artists sometimes to get people in and, some, and, and we think that that's like a task. But if we think about it as giving back even if it is just like, Hey, we're going to do like this free acting workshop for the kids in this neighborhood or something like that, that will take somebody a, an hour of someone's time to come in and instruct. And then some folks to, to, um, to, to support, but it, you know, it's just possible. And I just kind of feel like if people, even before we expect them to show up for us, if we just start showing up for them, yes, you know, so yes. that's kind of, that's another, that's just something I'm focusing on this year. Like, how can I show, like, we're going to do, um, Next Friday, October 13th, we're going to do this, um, the the Triangle Black Theater Artist Mixer at the Carrick. Because I just want to bring as many of us in the room together. I want to know all of y'all. I kind of feel like every time a black body touches the stage, is something magical and impactful about it. So, I, you know, I want to know who everybody is. And I don't care. Like, I also want to get rid of, like, this elitist air. Like, the, the work that we do is somehow is better than the next person's work, I guess, Mm -hmm. just to simplify. Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to like get to read that because that's just like such a played out theater thing. Like this elite, like even, I mean, even me, like going like Shakespeare, I felt like he was, it's one of the reasons why I chose OSF because I wanted to see what this what the, all of the hoopla was about with Shakespeare, because you come into the theater and people like expect you to know Shakespeare. It's kind of like this prerequisite. Like people will come up to you and talk about it casually with mm-hmm. you, as if you like know his entire canon. And I'm just like, I know Romeo and Juliet. Because... Right.
0: And what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah. Like... What's the big
1: deal? Yeah. Like, you know. So seriously, so there's already like this elitist air that we kind of operate with in the theater anyway. I mean, it, like even like Broadway is called like the Great White Way.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, just so I want to eradicate that, and I just want us to be able to like come together and like just you, just support one another.
0: Just I'm support, so excited yeah. about this collaboration between these three companies. I love this idea, and I love the idea of giving playwrights a space to to give their work some air mm-hmm. and some feedback and expose other people to it it's it sounds like a wonderfully community-building event that will also create some good art. Mm-hmm. Have you and um, Mojoa and what was the other company? Black
1: Poetry Theater. Black
0: Poetry Theater. I'll have to look them up because I don't know them. Mm-hmm. Um, have you all, or, or will you all, sit down and talk about what your goals are for this? I mean, y- do you have those?
1: Well, we we've yet to sit down because mm-hmm. everybody is so incredibly busy um but i but definitely one of the goals that i mentioned to them as i was trying to solicit them for the festival was that i want us to be able to build a sustainable community where your wealth is my wealth my wealth is your wealth um so even if that means like we share um like if we do di- we direct throughout our companies and so you know like just like barter and exchanging the art and not just like tangible things uh, but skills and as well marketing share marketing responsibility Mm -hmm. stage man like if we just really team up with one another i think the possibilities are going to be endless that way and then so that even funding so that it doesn't have to be this thing where oh black ops is funded this thing so mojoa can't like how can we share Mm -hmm. that that funding um and I mean, it. And actually, that feels like that feels like what black theater to me is because, like, that's where I grew up in my community. That's what you didn't have no sugar, you know. Next door, she's got the sugar, and you need some lunch money. Your mommy got, you know, like you know, you can go. So, like, just that community building—that is mm-hmm. kind of what feels like. So, and that's what theater is to me. Like, that's what I want theater to remind me of: mm-hmm. community. And actually, when I first became a storyteller or like really cared about it, was in the church. I mean because it's just such a colorful experience mm-hmm. there and just like the but the community that came along with that is just what I take away from it with me and I want I just want that same feeling when I'm working in theater spaces and on theater projects so, I'm also directing Twelfth Night next year at Shakespeare in Detroit.
0: You are? I am.
1: <gasps> I, who knew? I'm a Shakespeare scholar. Oh my I didn't gosh. Know that I, I can't.
0: That is really exciting. Yeah, I'm
1: super excited. But I'm going to set it in um, the 1920s during the Harlem Renaissance. It just feels like it just makes sense to me. Twelfth Night, Music Be the fruit, Food of Love play on... It's about a celebration of like lyricism, poetry, language. And that's what the 1920s was with mm-hmm. the, the 30s. Um, Zora Neale, Langston Hughes, County Cullen, just like this resurgence of appreciation for art. And that's what I feel like Twelfth Night was to Shakespeare, like his ode mm. to the thing that he loved, which was art and language and imagery. So I'm super excited about
0: when that. is that happening
1: that's gonna be next august next oh august gosh.
0: okay well as w- when you get closer i want to talk about that with you too because that's super exciting and awesome and i love that play and
1: i know so. i know but i never thought i'd love shakespeare ever
0: who knew yeah <laughs> we're growing and changing growing and changing. every day yeah well thank you so much for today for such a long time too you're such a trooper for those of you who don't know and I don't know how you would know this Jamaica and I are recording from my home studio (laughs) which also happens to be my spare room so she has been yeah it's amazing she has been such a trooper coming over here in the evening to talk with me in my spare room and I appreciate that so much and I Respect the work that you do and I can't wait to see what's next and support you. So thank you a million. We need a theater moms affinity group. Oh, for real. Yeah. Except we would never have time to get we together. We'd never have
1: time um, to get together.
0: Uh, well, in spirit.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. We have our own affinity. But thanks so much for having me, Sam.
0: You're welcome. Yes. So for links and more information about today's episode, go to artistsoapbox.org. Thanks for listening, and we're out.